Hi, welcome back to another episode of CyberSlide Chats. We're live, and I'm your host, Jess Carver, CEO of Applied Innovations. CyberSlide Chats is a forum for me to bring on guests where we dive into new and emerging technologies to help business owners, CEOs, and leaders understand how they can leverage these technologies for their own business to grow and do more. Today, we're going to focus on online marketing, automation, and e-commerce. Let's face it, the way we do business in 2020 has changed, and it's changed forever, and the way we're going to continue to do business online will change with it. Today, my guest is Jeffrey Kostick of Flying Chimp Media. Jeff, can you talk a little bit about yourself and what you do at Flying Chimp? Sure. Like you said, I'm Jeff with Flying Chimp. I'm the president here. Uh, we're a marketing firm. We're storytellers. We find your unique story, that, you, that, that message that makes you special. And then, of course, what good is a story without an audience to hear it. So we help create that story and then we find that audience. So what does that look like? Well, websites, search engine optimization, social media, a lot of those online tools, but there's also offline tools. So one size doesn't fit all and kind of we handle all of that from video through 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 completion. Thanks, Jeff. So Jeff, your company's been around for a while now and you've been doing online marketing and all of this for quite some time, right? I have. How's it changed? Over the last few years, over the last few years, I think the biggest change over the last several years is in the social front. I mean, I think the the, the rise of video can't be denied. I mean, certainly Facebook's algorithm has has really sort of changed how and what displays, and so video social is the biggest thing. In fact, at kind of social media world in February, before a lot of this started happening, that was the primary topic that was kind of trending through the entire social media world was the rise of video. Obviously, technologies change, technologies evolve. But when you look at marketing from the whole, from kind of a, a kind of a kind of a macro level, storytelling hasn't changed. Good content and good, good creative is still good creative and good content. And so how we tell that story is subtly changes over the years. So you've, you talked about content and how content's kind of changed. Have the requirements for content really changed when it comes to search engines and, you know, being found on the internet? I mean, well, the, the requirements haven't changed. I mean, again, search engine optimization and SEO haven't really changed substantially over the last couple, two years. The biggest change that we've seen recently is, is the rise of local. Okay, and, and the Google My Business philosophy and the kind of the local search list. And so for those of you who are who are who are watching or listening at home, it's it's those map listings. When you get the, you know, first you get the paid listings, those are the AdWords, the Google pay-per-click. Then the next step is you get those local listings. So, you know, you'll see your local peeps, pizza places. So you'll see one ad there, and then you'll see three more, and then you can kind of click to see more. And then underneath that was what we'll call like the, the traditional SEO listings or the SERP listings or organic listings. There's a lot of terms for it. And I think that rise of local is the biggest change. The content itself hasn't changed. I mean, certainly 15 years ago when everything was meta tag driven, well, we were way past that, but we've been way past that for a while. And so the classic kind of techniques that we've been using for years, they evolved slightly, but the, the core principles haven't changed dramatically other than the local stuff. I got you. So local's really been a big push along with social and video. Sure. And, and, and ultimately the, the social video part, obviously since, since social has a major part in SEO, that obviously has, has had to, to kind of integrate there as well. Well, while we're talking about social and, and video, is it, does it make sense for businesses to promote on 
on Facebook, uh, B2B business specifically? Well, the answer is, is it depends. Certainly today with what's going on in the world with COVID and, and you know, a lot of people working remotely, Facebook's and, and all the social channels, traffic is way up. So the answer is absolutely today, there's no question. Whereas it's more so today than even it was a year ago, okay? When a year ago, less relevant, okay? But there's two ways to think about how you advertise on social and how you promote yourself on social. One is the classic sort of just, you know, publishing content. And the other is the advertising model. And so if you're looking at Facebook exclusive for the publishing, well, that is less, you know, it's a completely different approach to how you're thinking about it. But that, that sort of inbound marketing idea through, through, through social is still very relevant. Establish yourself as a thought leader and using the power that video has had on social is a great way of showing thought leadership. It's a great way of showing, you know, kind of that, that, that subject matter expertise that you carry in your B2B business. So whether you're, you know, an IT expert, you know, with, with, with applied innovations or a marketing expert with flying chip media or an attorney or a CPA or keep going down the line, being able to share relevant content that people are interested in today shows you being an expert in your field. And so when people are looking for that, 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 that referral, when they're trying to be reminded of who I need at that particular moment, and they've seen your quality stuff that's out there, then you, ultimately get the call. Which is a great point. You know, I started doing the cyber side chats right as COVID-19 was launching or was starting to become really a big topic here. And uh, you were one of the guys that said, hey, Jess, just get the content out there. You can make it look pretty later. Right now, the most important thing is get the content out there. So I appreciate that, Jeff. And I want to mention that if there are any business owners, CEOs or leaders that want to sit down and have a cyber side chat with us, by all means, come in. Let's talk about what you're doing how you're leveraging technology for your business. And let's have that conversation. Jeff, I know you also have your own chat, the chimp chats. Yeah, I do. And we, we actually started them almost at the same time. I mean, like within like a couple of days of each other, which is kind of interesting. We were kind of, you know, going down a different, like, like a similar path and we both had to pivot immediately. But it's, it's funny you should mention about having, you know, kind of the timing of everything. So we had one of the things that we kind of promote with our clients to kind of maximize their time when we're doing a lot of video for them is we shoot a lot of videos at once. We'll shoot 25 in, in, in one day. And then you kind of space them out over time because good content is good content. And then of course you can always fill it in with something that's very topical. Well, I, I've got 30 videos for flying chimps sitting in, in the hopper ready to go that as soon as COVID hit, they became not irrelevant but it wasn't what people wanted to talk about. You know, nobody wanted to hear about Google My Business when when this all happened. They wanted to know like, I, am I like, am I going to have a life? Am I, am I like, how am I going to pay my bills? I mean, they needed they needed different goals, and so it's kind of fascinating how how much things had to change. I mean, you had to completely change what you were wanted to talk about when you started this idea because the world changed around you. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the conversation was really around what business owners should be doing, how they should be reacting and how they should be pivoting their business. And the goal of the chats was to talk about technology, literally the conversation we're having now and how businesses should be leveraging these aspects of technology. Now, some of that's going to be around leadership and marketing and the messaging and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I'm a technology guy. That's what I want to talk with people about. Right. right? 
course. But, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy the chip chats and I encourage anyone that's watching the videos, by all means, go check, go check out Jeff's chip chats and this, I guess it's your business partner that's doing them with you also. Yeah, so Jonathan's doing a few of them as well. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's a way to show, I think like you, like, 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 like we've talked about in the past, it's a way to show and add value and show leadership during tougher times. And if, if, a person can watch or listen to, to a, to a cyber side chat or to a chimp chat and they get a little bit of value from it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that, that that's kind of why we're doing this stuff. What's really interesting is I've signed business as a result of doing these. I've sure. had referrals come in as a result of doing these. I've had people share the video saying, Hey, go look at this. This is really useful. And then individuals that have come in that I've interviewed on the videos, have gotten opportunities directly from the video and they've used it as kind of a, Hey, well, what do you do? We'll go watch this video and take a look. And then they've signed business easily from that. So, I mean, and there's no question that we have gotten clients. I mean, during tougher times, I mean, you know, let's not kid ourselves. These are, these are tough times for a lot of businesses and we've, we've managed to, to, to do okay. Much in part of, of showing that stuff, it becomes a calling card, no different than when you, you wrote the chapter in your book, it's a, it's a way of showing thought leadership. Absolutely. And, and, and being that expert. Absolutely. And that was the goal of the book. Now, the other thing you spoke about was being engaged when you're on social. Okay. And with social media right now, we're going live. We're live on Facebook. I've got it on three or four different channels on Facebook. And I've got it on YouTube and then streamed over to LinkedIn from YouTube. And what I'd really appreciate is anyone that's on Facebook on YouTube, if they can click the like or you know, the little thumbs up button for us, just so we can get that feedback here to make sure the video is coming across and that it's live and everything's working well, be greatly appreciated. Don't forget to share, share the video. Well, I was going to go there too, but that doesn't help my little stats on this, but absolutely, by all means, share the video. Jeff, when you're as a business owner, you're talking about your business or your product or, or your establishment leadership, it's not just show up and throw up and put the, con the content out there. You really have to be engaged and be part of the conversation, correct? Yeah, for sure. And in your mind, what is that engagement? Am I going on groups? And here comes the lawnmower. I apologize. Well, we knew it was coming. It, it was, was coming. Was so I'm going to mute myself and let you tell us, give us some examples of how to engage on Facebook and what we should be doing besides just posting pictures of our kids or memes. Well, well, first of all, what we what we share on different social channels is going to change for that social channel. So what you share on Facebook should not be the same as what you share on LinkedIn or Instagram or keep going down the list, right? So I believe firmly that if you're going to be engaged actively on Facebook, it really needs to be, especially from your personal, from your personal page, 80% of it needs to be personal. People don't want to keep hearing about your business over and over and over again. That's not why they're on Facebook. So you should definitely share pictures of your kids and whatever it is you're fun doing during these weird times and that kind of stuff. There's no question, you know, so if you cook a great dinner for your family, feel free to share that. I think that's important and relevant to what's going on because nobody wants to keep hearing business, 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 but that also means that 20% can be business. So the question you asked was, you know, how can you be engaging? Ask questions. Questions are the best way of creating engagement. Now there's the forced engagement by that, that a lot of like, you know, media outlets and radio stations, those sorts of things that will kind of create forced engagement. What I mean by forced engagement is they'll post something, they'll, they'll, they'll show a picture of 
a cassette tape and a pencil and saying, do you understand the reference, you know, the, the relationship between these two? And of course, everybody who's, you know, 35 and older or 30, 40 and older said, absolutely, I totally know what that is. And that's how to kind of create that forced engagement, because obviously engagement is important for the purposes of continuing your post on Facebook, right? Because of how the algorithms work, how much gets showed to your audience. But the truth is, is more a, a better way of that forced engagement is ask people what they're interested in. Okay. So if you're, for example, if you're a clothing company, a small clothing company, let's say you're doing yoga pants and you're doing custom prints, a way to create that engagement is that you'll show two different ideas of prints that you were considering and then asking your audience, which do you like better? And so when 65% of the people say, I like the pink ones better. Well, the cool part about it is then one, you've gotten free market research. Two, the people that said that they like the pink ones better are already invested in the process. So there's a sense of ownership attached to it. And so when you actually do display that particular and you, and you offer that particular print for sale, they're more likely to buy it because they felt like they had an, an, like a hand in the creation of those particular pants. That's a kind of a neat way of creating engagement depending upon who and what your business is. Every business is different. So how you're going to create that engagement is going to change. It's a little harder when you're in a more of a technical field like like IT or marketing where you're 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 at, you know it's it's a little harder to kind of ask those questions, but other areas it's amazing to ask those questions. That's great. I appreciate that, Jeff. Jeff, let's talk a little bit about e-commerce and kind of the changes we've seen there. I'm sure your customers have seen the same changes. You know, a big part of our business is still hosting a lot of e-commerce websites and helping a lot of e-commerce businesses. Right. And what we noticed was that when Amazon started slowing up shipments and making PPE the priority over, you know, getting your, your I don't know, your coffee shipment or your, you know, your gadgets, a lot of those shoppers went back to the merchant's websites and bought on the merchant's website as opposed to Amazon. Now, I see that as a fantastic opportunity for these business owners to grab that merchant and market to them and not have to give up that share back to Amazon for the sure. sale. What's some of the other ways they could be engaging with the customers that have come to them directly that they can make use of? I mean, let's face it, Amazon's the behemoth. Everybody shops on Amazon. You drive down my street and you see boxes. I think it heavily depends upon what it is you're selling on your site. Okay. The more generic you are, the more you have to pay homage to the Amazon master. Okay. Let's not, let's, 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 let's be real. And by the way, the, 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 the opportunity that existed with regard to, with, with regard to Amazon kind of focusing on, on the PPP, PPE rather, I keep getting confused with the loan, uh, but the PPE stuff. Um, that's kind of shifted back. So now the prime stuff is now back to the, the, the one, two and three day shipping stuff. So that, that kind of window is closed pretty quickly. So getting back to kind of what you're selling makes a huge difference about how, what other techniques you can do, right? If you're selling rubbing alcohol, realistically, Amazon is still going to be how you're going to sell rubbing alcohol. Okay. Because you're selling the same thing as everybody else. It is just in a different package. However, if you're selling something a little bit more unique, something hopefully in a, like a niche kind of a product, okay, whether it's golf supplies or, or ministry supplies or whatever that happens to be, 
ultimately it kind of goes back to we talked about earlier about the the differences in, in in how you can use social on the advertising front facebook knows more about you than you know about you so use the power of of their social graph use the power of 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 the data they've collected on you to market directly to people you can use for example using youtube well, there are YouTube influencers that are out there that have, you know, pretty substantial followings. Well, if they have a following that's targeted to specifically what you're selling, it becomes an outstanding way of marketing directly to them. I'll use me for an example. Instead of talking about a client, I'll talk about how I'm sold. Over the last year, I've become completely addicted to golf. Full-on addiction, right? I mean, you know, 12-step program and everything, right? And so when I'm watching one of these YouTube golf guys... There's no question that I've been marketed to because of their selling specific products and training aids and those sorts of things. And guess what? Because I'm an idiot, I've bought many of them. <laughs> okay. The same thing goes on Facebook. So it's a way to ta target who you're looking for and using the power of what's out there to sell what you've got. Then once you've got them, keep letting them know. Your, your mailing list is your bread and butter. Okay. Offer them deals that they can't get through Amazon, specials that you can't get on Amazon. So using, you know, uh, we, were, we were talking about kind of camera equipment before we went live. You know, so if, if the camera distributor said, hey, you can get two, you know, memory sticks for your camera for the price of one, you can't get that deal on Amazon. Well, all of a sudden... Well, that's kind of a neat deal. You've gotten them to their website and all of a sudden now you're going to start bouncing around and you might get other features for your camera. So they can use the lost leaders in the mailing list to help get traffic in. It's kind of old classic retail, just in an online setting. So it's going after the influencers, going after social media. That's really the, the recommendation. Well, 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 it's not even. So when I say going after the influencers, it's advertising through what they're selling. So you don't have to get Kim Kardashian to sell your, 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 your product. But if Kim Kardashian has a channel advertising on her channel that you're advertising uh, a new beauty supply or a new, whatever it is that people I'm not keeping up with any Kardashian right now. So I, I, I just used up all the information I had on her, but, but ultimately it's a way to kind of go through that. So when I'm looking at and watching one of these golf videos on YouTube, trying to improve my swing, which is not helping, I'm still struggling. But when I'm doing that, an ad pops up that's golf related, a lot of times it actually is appealing to me and I'll watch the ad and I'll click and learn more. Um, no different than social. I got you. So I appreciate that. That's definitely good feedback. I mean, yeah, I agree. That when influencer marketing, I'm, I'm starting to interrupt. Influencer marketing is its own kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of ball. And it has its own place depending upon what your goals are. Is it useful? It can be very useful. I mean, clearly, you know, Nike built an entire brand around Michael Jordan. That was arguably one of the first ideas of, of influencer marketing. I mean, he became a billionaire as a result, and, and, and Nike made a whole lot more than that. So, so that was one of the very first ideas of, of influencer marketing. So, yes, it absolutely has a place. The question is, is does it fit for you and your brand? And then how are you going to apply your marketing budget? If you have, for example, a $50,000 budget, do you want to blow it all on one influencer campaign? Or do you want to spread that over a period of time and go after a little kind of more trickling stuff? 
your budget's going to help dictate the best path of, of getting you the best results that you want. So you talked about inbound marketing earlier and said that that's still there. Are the tools still the same? Is the technology still the same? Are the... Well, the technology evolves, but the, the, the whole idea of inbound marketing is just basically content driven, right? Whether it's SEO, whether it's social media, whatever, it's all about the content. So in my opinion, quality content has never gone away. Quality messaging a hundred years ago was quality messaging today. Great positioning statement, whether we call them positioning statements, taglines, or now purpose statements, the concepts are similar. So if your message is strong, then inbound is fantastic. If your message is weak, it's not going to matter what you do because your marketing is weak. Gotcha. Now, what about technologies like chatbots, virtual assistants, and this type of thing? Are those useful? Do they have a, a place? I, I think they're overblown today, personally. I don't think it's there yet. I think that the upside of them does not outweigh the downside because I think they become very frustrating for people in a lot of ways. And so when they can't get the answers that they want, they become even more frustrated by the situation. Consider the fact that when you've called into tech support and you get someone in Kuala Lumpur who doesn't really know what your problem is and can't appreciate and can't really solve your problem, it becomes escalating more frustrating for you. Or think about when you've called pick your poison, Comcast, and you get, get bounced around through automated attendant to automated attendant to finally get to somebody who really can't help you. How frustrating is that experience? Realistically, the chat box are sort of a digital version of that. And so while on certain occasions, they can actually fix a problem for you or solve an answer, oftentimes they don't. And I think the negative that you get from that and the loss of customer is worse than the upside of the rare occasion that it does work. So I have a slightly different perspective on it. You know, one of the things we use chat live or we use chat on our site. We've been early advocates of chat for help desk support, done it for, I don't know, 15 years probably. And what we found is that people tend to be more comfortable on chat as opposed to the phone. They tend to go after the phone or the chat because they get that instant response and they can work on the problem together right there as opposed to email where they got to check, did he reply, did he reply, did he reply? And what we've, what I've found is that just by having that questionnaire up front, a lot of times the customers are going to put that in, you know, what's your name, what's your domain, you know, what's your issue related to. And by using a chat bot, we're able to make sure we get that information and it's not so much that I expect the bot to fix the problem. I expect the information to be there for the customer so that he knows what's going on. And he doesn't, oh boy, one moment. I might, mine just rang too. It's okay. <laughs> That's what I mean. But, 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 and it's probably a support call, right? But one of the things that it, it does for us is that it's going to shortcut that information gathering because whether you're going to spend, you know, 10 minutes on the phone with someone going, what's your account number? Okay, what's your secret password so I can let you in? And if you can get that information right away, it's going to make it easier and more efficient for the agent to help you and streamline your process. On a sales side, um, torn on it, frankly. I think that there's an opportunity to qualify leads. If you get the, the information that I can't find on your website quickly, fantastic. But realistically, I want you to move beyond to a person pretty quick. 
And, and I think that's sort of what my point is. I was kind of addressing it more on the sales and marketing side. I, I'm, I'm less torn, frankly. Now, I do like the ability to have live chat if it's manned by a human being. And, and, and it's manned by a human being that is relevant. On the sports side, I can definitely see the value. Obviously, that's not what I usually work with my clients on. But on the sales and marketing side, if it can be manned by a human being that 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 that, that can truly address the questions that I have, then it can be incredibly powerful. But the AI style stuff, I can't get there. I can't, not yet. So I think uh, KL agrees with you and says that level one support, you know, it, it can be, it can be painful. I dealt with an issue for one of my clients for the last three weeks. And uh, I, I agree with you. So I appreciate the comment by all means. I want to encourage more comments. We are live. Be live for another 10 minutes or so, or I guess about five minutes or so. So please bring in the comments so it's not just me and Jeff yakking back and forth. All right, Jeff, what about, so we talked about kind of like SEO in 2020. It's really about the content and it's more about the social and the engagement and definitely the video. What else is, what else is it that, hey, Mr. Business Owner, this is what you need to be doing today? Well, from, from an SEO perspective, it, it, it's always changing. Google changed their algorithm every, you know, anywhere from six to 12 weeks, right? And so there's always sort of mild changes that happen. And sometimes they're fairly major that, you know, folks like 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 me can take advantage of. If you're trying to do SEO on yourself on your own, video transcriptions are amazing. Okay. It's a great way of getting that into your blog to where you have that searchable content. Okay. But there's really there's over 400 items that go into every single Google search. And so frankly, my biggest advice is don't go it alone and go with a company that's that that's reputable because there's a lot of snake oil out there. It's been a lot of snake oil for years and I would say it's getting worse. And and the truth is anybody who says they can do it for a few hundred dollars a month, they're selling snake oil. They're, it's just not possible. There's too many hours involved to try to be successful with it that that, that that's probably the biggest advice I can give is 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 go with a company that you 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 get referred to. It's one of the few places that I'll say, don't find your SEO company via SEO. Y you should really go with someone who, where, where you're ultimately referred by simply because, it, there, there, again, it, it's, it's, it's so, there's so much involved in, in, in being successful with it that if you're not doing all of them, you have major problems. I'll give you a story from, from not too long ago. I was referred into a client by a, a business coach and they said, well, you know, can you, can you help us out with SEO? I said, well, you know, what's going on? What, what have you previously been doing? What did, what are the other company, what had they been doing? And long story short, they were paying about a thousand bucks a month and the other company knew exactly what they needed to be doing. They absolutely understood how to be successful with SEO. They just weren't doing enough of it. And so ultimately they needed to triple their efforts. And apparently after a little bit more discovery, the other company told them that they needed to triple their efforts and they just didn't want to spend three grand or whatever the number was or four grand or five grand. I don't remember how much it was, but whatever it was is they needed to spend three times the amount or two and a half times or whatever. It was some, some, some multiple thereof. And I said, well, here's the thing. I'm going to charge you more. I just wouldn't have sold you the lower plan because I knew it would never work for you. Good. You mentioned earlier about the, the mailing list and that your mailing list is really key. 
And I agree, right? That's your differentiator between you and the Amazon or the Giants is that interaction you have with the mailing list. What are some tips around the mailing list we should be doing as a small business? How often should we be sending the mailing list? What should we be sending the mailing list? How do we protect our mailing list? Much like every answer I've given you is, I'm going to say, is it depends. <laughs> um, every business is different, okay? So if you're selling products, okay, and you're like a Woot style business to where you're, you're, you're having regular changes, okay? There's a lot of businesses out there, clothing businesses, where they'll be running short-term sales, two, three, four-day sales. Well, obviously, you have a built-in model where you're communicating with people on a regular basis, okay? If you're a law firm, and you're trying to communicate with people. Well, I would certainly not recommend every couple, two, three days. That's a terrible amount. You should probably be looking about once a month. And for most businesses, they're probably going to be steering more towards that once a month range, especially like in the, the B2B sort of world. But when there's something relevant, there's something important that's out there. Well, get it out there. Okay. So if there's a big change in the law, let's say that in, in for, 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 for applied innovations, if there's a new risk that you know is out there, whatever that risk happens to be, well, it's brand new. Get it out immediately. Don't wait for the next one. Just say, hey, be on the lookout for, you know, th th this new coronavirus, I love you virus, whatever, okay? Be on the, be on the lookout for that. And, and that's, that, that's a reason to, to touch base. Whereas on a normal basis, once a month is probably the amount of amount. For most e-commerces, probably once every two weeks is a little bit more appropriate. So it really depends upon your business. And then we kind of have a conversation with our clients. And then statistics don't lie. If you're doing too much, you're going to see your open rate go down tremendously. So if as long as it's relevant to people, keep doing it. So look at your numbers. If your marketing company or you're not looking at it, if you say you don't have a marketing company, if you're not looking at your numbers... Then, then you're doing yourself a disservice. If there's, you know, your website for engagement, if what's your conversion, if you're not looking at A-B testing, well, what are you doing? Great. Jeff, one more topic, and this is kind of probably our last topic, is ADA. It's a topic we've had a lot of conversations about. And is it relevant? Is it important? The ADA stands for the Americans with Disabilities Act. And it historically used to apply to real property, businesses, buildings, you know, having to have a ramp going into a, into a building. So wheelchair accessibility, having the, the bars and bathrooms. So, so that kind of stuff, basically it's, it's, it's accessibility. So you don't have discriminatory practices. And this now applies to websites and it's applied to websites now for the last oh, almost two years, there have been some landmark cases. There was a Winn-Dixie case where Winn-Dixie had coupons on their website that their website was not accessible to people with visual or auditory impairments. And as a result, they had coupons that were only available on their websites and someone who was blind couldn't, couldn't get those things. They sued and they won. It's currently in appeals, but they definitely lost. It was considered discriminatory practice. There've been a lot of, you know, there's the Hobby Lobby case, Dick Blick. More recently, you know, Domino's Pizza had their app was not ADA compliant. It was not accessible to people with that, those visual and auditory impairments. And they lost, they appealed it, they lost in appeals and they tried to appeal it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ultimately denied hearing the, the case. So it was considered a major win in, in sort of the accessibility world online. So that's one side, is one purely protecting your business is a major, major thing, okay? 
The second is, is it's good business to be inclusive. When you look at the numbers, the numbers are, are heavily that a lot of people identify as you know, as handicapped in some capacity. And, and it's almost 20% of the people have either a visual or auditory impairment in some capacity. So now we're talking about a pretty major percentage of people that have access to it. Furthermore, as our, 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 our internet users age, okay, the one of the fastest rising segments in internet usage are, are your baby boomers. Well, a lot of baby booters, depending upon the, the statistics you look at, over 50% of baby booters have some kind of disability in some capacity. Well, that starts to matter when you look at inclusivity and as far as just being good business. So one is the protective side of it. And two is the, 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 just the, the sales side of it. And the one bit of advice I would give to anybody uh, watching and listening is there's a lot of, 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 lack of understanding about what constitutes an accessible website. Putting a plugin on your website does not actually do anything. It does not protect you. I've spoken to business litigation attorneys. It does not offer any bit of protection from not being sued. It offers no ad advantages to, to those who have these, these disabilities. You really have to use you know, the WCAG sort of compliance. We use the WAVE tool as, as one of kind of the early metrics, the WAVE tool by the WebAIM initiative which is web accessibility is in mind, is a good kind of rule of thumb because really what you need it to do is it needs to be accessible by someone using a screen reader, um, like the box screen reader or something like that. So that's really kind of what you want to do when you're looking at it. On the plus side, and, and I don't even know if, if, you, if you're aware of this, Jess, there is a tax credit out there for businesses with 30 or few employees out there. So if you have 30 or few employees or you have $1 million or less in, in annual revenue, you are eligible to a tax credit under the ADA. I am not a CPA. I am not giving accounting advice, okay? You can look it up. It's 4426. It's to IRS code 4426. And what it basically says is that you, for business with those 30 or fewer employees or a million dollars or less in revenue, you're eligible for a tax credit for ADA improvements to your business that is that, that, that 50% after the first $250 up to $5,000, so, for example, if you're making your website ADA compliant, and let's say it costs $5,000, let's make that easy, $5,250 to, to make your site compliant, well, you would be eligible for a $2,500 tax credit, not a deduction, but a credit. So your actual net cost is about half of what that is. That's great. That's a, that's a fantastic tip for businesses today, and it's an opportunity to make your site more accessible, more inclusive, and potentially, you know, bypass a potential lawsuit. This ADA lawsuit over my website thing, just big businesses, small businesses? I've, I've, I've seen small. I mean, I, the biggest risk, and again, here, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. I, I've never stayed at a Holiday Express. The biggest, I mean, we get about three or four um, referrals every month from business litigation attorneys on on ADA website issues where they've been already been sued. And I would say the, the predominance of them are people who are selling some kind of product and they have a brick and mortar establishment. So there's a link there. I would say about 75% of what we get is that. But 25% of them are oftentimes mom and pops, they're small shops. So everyone's at risk. 
and 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 whether you think it's their BS lawsuits, whether whether they're real, whether they're nuisance, I'll say that they're expensive because you have to pay your lawyer. And the way the law is written is as soon as the lawsuit is filed, you have to basically, you know, when if you lose, you've got to pay opposing counsel as well. And that's how kind of the law is written. So your risk is fairly high. So to me, as I sleep better knowing that my site is is is, is accessible, I know that's one thing I'm not going to have to get sued over. Well, that's great, Jeff. Jeff, is there anything else you want to add or anything we should have talked about that we didn't talk about? I mean, I think the biggest thing I would say is start with your message. Whatever marketing you do, whoever you work with, whatever, you know, what whatever your goals are from a one person solopreneur to large businesses, what's your message? And when your message is sound, the business comes. That's great. Jeff, thank you so much. I'm going to include your contact information at the end here. And by all means, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, it's jeff at flyingship.com. Thank you again, sir. Thank you so much. This is great.